friends and enemies, welcome to Bad Voltage Season 3, Episode 51, which I confess I had to go and look up because I wasn't on the last one. So, did you do some kind of special celebration for Show 50, John? Uh, uh, uh. So, so we'll go, 51 is exciting because it's, I don't know, three seventeens or something. <laughs> anyway. Some kind of mathematical, yeah, yeah. No, we didn't do anything special, uh, other, oh. than, other than appreciating you, Mr. Stuart Language. That's all oh, we did. Well. I, I'll i believe you, <laughs> yeah, despite the odd. fact that I'm inclined not to. So, um, I'm Stuart Langridge, I'm here with uh, John O'Bacon, no middle name, and Jeremy's not currently here because he's running, <laughs> attending, managing yeah. the huge um, Dog conference dash. So, yep. instead, we have a yeah. special guest presenter. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Adam Larimer. Welcome to the show, Adam. Oh, thank you very much. I feel honoured and humbled to be here. Yeah, you should be. Um, <laughs> I don't think that'll last, but <laughs> I, I have heard a lot about the Bad Voltage podcast. Um, I have to admit, I've never actually listened to one, uh, but uh, I've heard <laughs> you and a lot everyone else about it. Yeah. So uh, for those uh, for the for, well, I was going to say for those of you who don't know, which is basically everybody, um, Adam and I used to be neighbours uh, when when I when my wife and I moved to Walnut Creek. Um, I was thrilled to get away from English people, and then he came plumping over. I was like, "Hi, nice to meet you. Just wanted to introduce ourselves." Like fucking English people next to me. I was it, I was there first. Uh, I have to say, <laughs> we were there it's true. first. You yes, found out. you could have done your it, research. It, it, Yes, I, well, I, oh, that would I, be I, creepy. I feel I should point out that we're not just looking for guest presenters among the list of people who Jono have lived next door to. <laughs> At least partially because I remember the people in Wolverhampton and they're not coming on the show. So, <laughs> so, extending your breath out to like next door but one. Uh, <laughs> right. No, no, no. Well, um, we, we, have, yeah. we have a topic and... Uh, we wanted to pull in someone with some expertise on the topic, and so uh, we decided we decided to talk to Adam. Yeah, so we're going to talk about um, Meta, the obviously uh, rebranded Facebook. Um, they recently had their Meta Connect event where they were talking through all the stuff that they're doing to work in the metaverse. And Adam Lorimer here is quite the expert when it comes to VR. Do you want to give us a quick one-minute background around what you do, Adam? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do a, I guess, do a num- number of things, but the the relevant thing to hear is I am head of North America for Glue Collaboration, which is an immersive uh, collaboration platform, uh, primarily for companies for enterprise. Uh, we do a little bit in the uh, educational sector uh, as well, but mostly it's about recreating that sense of being in the same room with your team uh, or your customers or your clients. Um, um, and you know, having that, there's something about being in a room with someone that's different from a, a video call. I'll love it's fun being on a video call with you guys, of course. Um, <laughs> but um, um, there's the, something, and we we take uh, we take an essence of that, and we we transfer that in a in a um, uh, an immersive virtual reality um, platform. And it's all VR, right? It's not. It's not AR. It's not mixed reality. It's all VR. Is that right? Uh, it is not AR uh, for the time being. Um, we do support um, desktop platforms. You don't need a headset. To use glue. Um, I think right. it's a lot better with a headset, uh, which yeah. we can we can delve into. Uh, but um, um, yeah, for the time being, not augmented reality, and we can um, we can talk about the differences and the distinctions of those if it's relevant. Right. Well, this will be interesting. So. Um, uh, at least, partially, I can think I can foresee two things happening on this show. First of all, um, given your interest in the sort of enterprisey um, people sharing meetings and so on in VR, you probably thought MetaConnect was really cool, and we'll get into some of what that's about. And secondly, you and me are gonna have a row at some point during this show. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, so, this is going to happen, so, which is so the reason. Don't take it too personally, I, I, I might have uh, strong opinions, but they're loosely held, so I'm. Uh, I'm ready, I'm ready <laughs> well, to be uh, educated. Language well, has strong opinions, strongly held. So well, um, you're not wrong, but yeah, so, it will be useful to talk a bit about what actually happened at MetaConnect. And Jono, yes, all, always ready to credulously embrace anything about VR. Presumably, <laughs> you um, you paid quite a lot of attention to all the different things that happened. So, do you want to um, why don't I spin through it? Yeah, some of why what, some of what they it? talked about and. 
Do I have to shut up until the end, or are we discussing each point as we get well, to Well, it? why don't we do this? Why don't I break it into a few pieces? <laughs> well, first of all, talk about the new headset that they're, that they're releasing called the MetaQuest Pro. Then we'll talk a little bit about um, maybe mixed reality, and then we'll talk a bit about some of the other bits and pieces. Like they showed off their next-gen avatars. They talked about Microsoft Teams partnership, which is yeah. yeah. Uh, but and then we might want to spend a little bit of time. It's a bit not quite related to this with their motor neuron control thing that they've been building, which is kind of interesting, but very early. I got but, I got to think about that when we get there. Yeah. All right. So why don't I first of all summarize? The, the the headset um, yes. and i'm sure that pl- that path that we've plotted we will certainly not stay to right but let me summarize <laughs> it so first of all um as uh, listeners will be familiar meta have got various headsets uh their their quest uh two is the most recent headset which is pretty popular it's all in one it's not like connected to a to a computer you can actually connect it with a cable um, and it's actually been doing reasonably well um the meta quest pro well, the MetaQuest, the, the two, the Quest 2, you can pick up for about $300, I think it is. The MetaQuest Pro is going to be $1,500. And it's very <laughs> clearly intended towards <clears throat> much more of a commercial audience. The kind of people who I imagine Adam is very interested in working at Glue. Um, it's a much more advanced headset. It was known, known as Project Cambria, which we talked about previously in the show. We did. Um, I'm going to summarize a couple of the elements of it. I'm going to be missing some of this stuff out, but basically it's, it's much sleeker headset. It doesn't look like a shoe box glued to the front of your head. It's got these pancake lenses. Um, the, the, the resolution of these lenses seems to, uh, uh, of the video that you're seeing through the lenses seems to be much higher. Um, it's actually a, he- a heavier headset, but what they've done is they've equalized the weight. So the batteries on the back, it's actually a curved battery. Um, and then the screens on the front, because it's like, it basically equalizes. So it doesn't feel like it's just tipping your head forward from what I've read. And what's interesting is that with the, with the Quest 2, it was all about VR, right? They do have a pass through mode, which is where you can see the world through it, but it's like looking at, you know, it looks like, it, it looks like it's rendered in CGA from 1994, yes. right? And, and it's really just used primarily to draw the guardian so you don't bang into your dog while you're playing it. Or in uh, Horizon Workrooms, which is where people can work t- work together, um, they use it to so you can actually see your keyboard um, when you're setting that up as well. From what I understand, I've actually never used Horizon Workrooms. Well, that's what I read. Um, but what's interesting is that um, it, it actually, by default, doesn't block out all the light because, and I'll get to this in a second. A big focus of the MetaQuest Pro is on mixed reality. And with mixed reality, you don't necessarily want all the light blocked out because one of the things that people complain about with VR is that you're kind of trapped inside it and it's a little bit overwhelming. So what they've got is you can actually see the light through the bottom of the headset and then they've got these magnetic clip-on light blockers that go on the bottom of it. So if you want it to be a bit more immersive, you can do that as well. And they've got some extra thing that you can buy for $50, which, you know, blocks out even more of it. I was going to say, yeah, we should, we should note that the magnetic clip-on things cost extra money. <laughs> I think the clip-ons come with it, but the other thing... It costs money, I, th- I think. I, I guess. I, I, so you get a partial I, one in the box, and then if you want something which blocks out the lights, so yeah, it becomes a yeah. VR headset, you got to pay extra right. for it, yes. Um, now, um, so, you know, specs-wise, it looks kind of interesting. It's what you'd expect, you know, a big step up. Uh, the key things that um, that really stand out from what I can tell as well is that it's got built-in face detection and eye tracking. Um, and one of the things that they demoed was, you know, when you are in VR – um you've got these kind of very cartoony looking lifeless looking avatars uh, and adam and i have actually chatted about this for years at this point is that um so much of uh you need to be able to see the expressions but it doesn't necessarily have to be photorealistic so the <clears throat> the face detection and the eye tracking also the eye tracking enables what people call foveated rendering which they haven't actually switched on which is where um it renders in high quality what you're looking at and then kind of the periphery of your vision it it doesn't re- render to a high enough quality uh, to a, to the same kind of quality that's not actually switched on in the MetaQuest Pro um and the reason why is because it's incredibly performance intensive and it'll drain the battery but also the controllers and you you probably everybody might have seen these the controllers that come with the Quest 2 they've got these like rings around them well with the new controllers they've got haptics built in 
similar in some ways to the PlayStation 5. I don't think they've got adaptive triggers, but they also do full 360 range. So you can actually put them behind your back. And the, and if this is not enabled right now, but the idea is that the cameras in them will also scan your legs. So that, so they will have legs. In, uh, uh, we, we, we'll get to legs. But we will me. get to that because there's been some controversy around that. But just to, just to finish off, the real focus of it was really around this mixed reality. Now, some of you on the show may have heard of VR, of course, which is where you're in this completely virtual world. AR is where essentially holograms are overlaid over, a, over actual glasses. Um, so the magic leap is, is like that. Mixed reality is where you, you're, the whole world you're in, you, you know, you're looking at a screen right next to your eyes, but the real world is in there. And it's not just a video feed. What they actually do is they map out the world and they actually overlay the video feed on the meshed detected surfaces that you're seeing because otherwise it wouldn't work effectively. John Carmack has got a really interesting talk about this. It's on YouTube. Um, um, and they were showing, for example, you could sit there in your office having a meeting with somebody and their cartoony figure is opposite you. Uh, but you're in your actual world, and the idea is that it feels real. Now, from what people have said, it doesn't feel completely real. You still feel like you're you're seeing a video feed of your world, but it's much, much better than anything else that's out there right now. So I'll stop there. Thoughts? Okay, so a few thoughts. First of all, the battery lasts an hour. An hour? Yeah. <laughs> You sure about that? They say one to two hours. And I would like you to think back to literally every piece of consumer electronics you've ever bought and how long the batteries last by comparison with how long the manufacturer said it would last. And that's on day one. Right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, uh, this is the, the controller battery, four to five hours, but the headset, one, maybe two hours. That's and, absurd. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, and so we can get into the whole jam tomorrow nature of all VR technology since the beginning of VR technology. Now, hang on, before you go on, because you have a tendency to you you have a tendency to shit and everything uh, that's new. Why don't we mix this up a little bit? Tell us what you think is interesting and cool about it briefly, and then tell us what you. Okay. Because I want to. Uh, yeah. Huh. So, um. Man, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I have both um, systemic and individual complaints. Most of the things that um, I would say I think are cool are things that I'm not actually that bothered about. So I think a lot of the technology in this thing is pretty cool. So you've got um, the actual display resolution is not a lot better than the Quest 2, but it's one screen per eye. Right, which is uh, uh, a nice start. I don't understand the difference between Fresnel and Pancake lenses, despite having now done a bunch of reading about the difference between the two. But whatever, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant as well, isn't it? I mean, what right. about the, the what about the sense of presence or like what it's going to do for you beyond the tech? Oh well, this is the. Th- I I was trying to avoid launching into my complaint about the whole thing early, but sure. If you're asking the question, and this is, I'm going to be interested in Adam's point of view about exactly this, is I don't know anyone who actually wants to sit in a 90 CGI version of their room and look at the 90 CGI version of their workmates. Well, the, 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 the Quest Pro is not 90 CGI. It's SVGA. <laughs> this, it's it's still a me emoji that I'm looking at. The fact that it can, um, uh, the fact that it can mocap. It's like playing La Noir. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? Okay, so so one of the things that I, I find myself saying a lot is that um, talking about virtual reality is a lot of like dancing about architecture. Uh, they're both communication mediums, but it's really hard to describe one with the other. So, um, sure, I don't, I don't know how much time you've spent um, in multiplayer, in, in multi-user virtual reality experiences. Um, M- multi-user, kind of not that much. I ha- right. I, I've tried a couple of things, but I confess yeah. not for very long. And, th- and I have not tried. Has anyone tried? Apart from John Carmack, has anyone actually tried the 
the pro, the pro stuff pro. yet? Or is so it not actually? Not we've, got one, we've got one in our office in Helsinki. Um, right, so okay. we're, we're, oh, we're nice. currently in a, we, we've had one for a while. We haven't got the developer versions because we're, yeah. we're, we're launching a, um, a build for it. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's like counterintuitive uh, that you wouldn't expect. And, and if you play a lot of video games and if you're looking at this as a gaming experience, you know, it's not up to the, um, the fidelity of a AAA video game. Right, we just with like VR doesn't do that in terms of character animation and and that whole kind of visual fidelity thing. Uh, but so it depends on what you want, right? If you're looking for a AAA video game experience, I don't think VR is there yet. Um, if you want a feeling of being somewhere else and being somewhere else with other people, then visual fidelity is surprisingly unimportant. Um, things like spatialized audio are much more important. Things like having um, some form of real, um, compelling like facial movement um, makes a lot more difference than it does having the, the quality and the resolution of the CGI. Um, in fact, it's the, there's, a, there's a phenomenon called the Uncanny Valley, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. It comes from robotics in the 70s, where if you try to make something too realistic, particularly photorealistic, it actually is unnerving. Um, you can see it in um, uh, computer animation in movies. If you look at like maybe something like Rogue One, uh, the Star Wars movie. Like they, they, that is that was state of the art. You're know, bringing back Peter Cushing and uh, Carrie Fisher um, for, for that movie. That was state of the art. That took months of work to to get there, and supercomputers running for months um, to get that those little clips of work. And it still was like yeah, it's still creepy. Uh, if you put that into what the what can be done uh, with essentially what is a cell phone strapped to your face and done ninety times per second, we're nowhere near that. So what you actually want to do is dial down the visual fidelity to something that captures the essence of how you communicate and what makes a a face or a person compelling um, in order to to do that and then simplify it as much as possible. Um, and and it works. Yeah. Um, Oh, and that goes into legs as well. Uh, and that um, that last little bit you dropped on there, and it works, is I think to me the important point. Because the idea that, yeah, we can't do photorealistic stuff, fine, I get that, you know, and I'm not asking for that because it's completely unrealistic. Even in, um, even in films, which are a combination of visual effects and uh, pure computer-generated imagery, um, there is still the Uncanny Valley effect. There is still that in um, top-tier AAA games now, and I'm not particularly looking for that. Sure, if a duck flies in the window and gives me a completely photorealistic, I can't tell the difference between the world and it <laughs> VR headset, cool. I'll probably use that one, but I'm not worried about that. What my issue is, is the issue... Um, there seems to be a pitch of, well, we can't do that, but we can do basically like watching The Incredibles. Um, which is, you know, sure, if that's what you want. And at no point do I watch cartoons and go, but this is unrealistic, and so I can't engage with the story. Not that's at all. It. That's right? a very important point. It's yeah. that a lot of time they're more compelling. Um, yes. And a, 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 a stylized um, uh, face. But, and this is the point, the first question in there is, why would I want this at all? has been skipped over. The The assumption is, well, what people want is to sit in a computer-generated version of their office and talk to computer-generated versions of their teammates or whatever, and therefore the best we can do is that it looks like Toy Story 4. Yep. So let's make it so that's as realistic, not realistic, that's as expressive as possible. But so, no one wants that. Well, so, so, let, so let me address that within the very yeah. narrow niche of what I do every day. Uh, which, which is why is, I said I think it'd be interesting to have you um, talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, uh, we could talk about consumer um, applications, the metaverse, and various other things, uh, which I frankly, I think, are down the line. The reason why I work in enterprise rather than in anything else associated with I've been doing this for long enough that the metaverse wasn't a thing when I, when I started. Um, well, it was a thing. It was science fiction, which it still is. Um, but... Um, you know, there, there is, we, we had over the last few years the biggest unplanned experiment in remote work that the world has ever seen. Um, and a lot of people were shoved into um, changing the way they interact with their colleagues um, and doing it over video call as their primary source of, of, 
of collaboration and of communication with their colleagues. Uh, you know, people are starting to come back to the office, but we've still, you know, the, we've not re regained the status quo that we were at before the pandemic. Um, and for me, at least, one-on-one -on -one, video works pretty well. You know, you can feel connected and engaged with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Three people in a room, yeah, maybe a little bit right now. Right now, I've got a, you know, a big picture of Jono and a little picture of Stuart. Um, uh, it doesn't really, I don't really feel just like, just like my house. Room together. <laughs> just like, well, you know, John always likes to grab the limelight in any situation. Um, Ooh, he, um, he does, though. He but, does. This isn't necessary. Talk about go back to VR. <laughs> okay, sorry, VR. I'm just so used to making fun of you, John. Um, I know. Just... So, um, um, what were we talking about? Um, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. But if you get more than four people, I get lost. Like it is like talking to a Brady bunch of squares um, on 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 your screen. Uh, there's no sense of actually being there. You can't kind of direct your comments to uh, one person. You end up in this paradigm where you have to like have okay. It's my turn to talk. Everyone else listens. Next person's turn to talk. They talk. Everyone else listens. Otherwise, yep. it's chaos, and people are always talking over each other. And it, and, and even and even worse when you're when you're online and you're dialing into a conference room where people are physically in the same room. That's the worst scenario uh, to be connecting that, that, with people. That, yeah. any, kind of a, any kind of asymmetric communication is, is horrible. Um, yeah. it, it, it just doesn't work. You might as well get the minutes of the meeting after, after the meeting because you're not really there. Um, but even, even if you're all on video and you're all there and everyone has actually turned their camera on and people are actually paying attention rather than spending the, you know, doing emails while listening out for their name or their voice, and when someone asks them a question, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, just repeat the question, make sure that I fully understood what you're saying, because you weren't <laughs> listening. Um, <Yeah. laughs> we've all been there on, on, on video calls. But even, even if people are fully engaged, it's still like you're, you're talking into the void, right? You're talking into a black hole. There's no actual sense of being there. You can't kind of turn and address your comments to one person. You can't quickly have more than one conversation going on at once in the room, like you do in a real room. In a real room, people are kind of talking over each other. They're you know using their body language to say, "Okay, I know I want to project a point." They're having you know maybe two conversations going on at once, and then it comes back together again. It's much more dynamic. And by adding, adding in a third dimension, you really can do that in a, in a much more compelling way. And you know you can bring in three D models, and you can grab sticky notes and stick them on a whiteboard and argue over the sticky note and pull it down and rearrange it in a very kind of uh, organic way you know it's not as abstracted as some of these kind of interactive whiteboards that you can use which they're, they're good too um but it's kind of abstracted it's not like you're grabbing something you're passing it to someone um you know you can't shake hands with someone you can't look at someone in the eye when you're talking to them um and, and that's, that that, 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 that to me is you know it's interesting because with with adam working at glue we've talked a lot in the past about like vr and work and things like that and often when we've been chatting about some of this stuff it's been those things those methods of collaborating um that you can't really do as easily on other platforms like zoom or whatever the thing that really i was kind of just watching along with the metaverse and not particularly excited about it but curious about it i have to say when i start when i watched meta connect the thing that i started getting really excited and i've been just kind of going through youtube videos um learning more and more about this is that sense of presence is that um you know adam said it like this big unplanned experiment in remote working i think without wishing to bring the the tone of the show down a little bit i think of the vast majority in the world uh, uh, the vast majority of people in the world are pretty lonely and the pandemic was horrendous for that. They were stuck at home. Some people need that social setting of an office and things like that. And I was surprised, like many people were, when people would have like, you know, the Zoom pub and we'd all have like social events on Zoom that you could actually generate a little bit more sense of presence and connect connectivity with people in the social setting than I think we expected. But it was nowhere near being in person with people. So to me, if I, as, as one person who works just by myself, with people online most days, if I can feel like I'm sat in a room with them and I can really understand their body language, I can see their facial expressions, I can see and hear them clearly, even if what we're doing is just having a conversation, I actually think there's something really valuable about focusing on that. And look, we all talk shit about Mark Zuckerberg. I tweeted out about this yesterday. There's a really great, maybe you can link to this in the show notes, uh, Stuart, when, when you put this out. There's a really great interview with Mark Zuckerberg on The Verge. Um, and everyone makes fun of him being this awkward, you know, he's like, you know, the everyone's like, the AI is finally reaching sentience when it comes to him. 
He actually speaks really thoughtfully and passionately about really focusing on building presence. And I think, in my mind, we should be able to feel present with other people online. And to me, that's in itself valuable. Putting aside all of the benefits of collaboration and all the fun stuff that you can do, I think that that is actually going to really help people around the world. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, people people do give Facebook and, and, and Mark Zuckerberg a lot of crap. Um, but, you know, typically those people are commentators, they're critics. And um, what the hell have they ever done? You know, yep. frank, frankly, he's doing something. Um, and he yeah, is, he's having a go, you know, cannibalizing his own business potentially. Um, so you know, certainly all the Wall Street analysts who are saying you know it's time for for Zuckerberg to go, I was like, you know what? What have you ever done? Um, uh, yeah, tr- trust someone who saw the who saw social media before it happened, uh, or, or it's a very very early stages. If you remember, Friends Reunited. Um, but uh, um, they, um, you know, um, yeah, and, and so, so you started with the, with the question of what was excited about the hardware, um, uh, what was excited about the headset, and that, so I think there are a few things. the 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 eye tracking um, is good. Um, it's good that they've got that. I've not seen how the facial, the face tracking works, um, but. Being able to do foveated rendering, it makes a difference. That will reduce the um, uh, the processing load. So I, I was actually, I don't, I'm not sure we picked up the, it was uh, very computationally expensive to do that because typically that reduces the graphic processing load. Uh, apparently, and I'm only quoting John Carmack here, uh, it doesn't help that much. This particular iteration, at least maybe it'll help in the future. Yeah, that's where I heard but, it but, too. But this particular iteration, uh, let, me, uh, let me see if I can find the actual uh, quotation from him just so I'm not misrepresenting him, but I can't find it. It's in my notes somewhere. Oh, yeah, he said, so Car- Carmack says, um, it doesn't bring a massive performance boost with regard to the fixed foveated rendering, which Quest 2 did. So... The impression I have is that it's it's a change from fixed to dynamic, um, and in theory that may be a reduced processing load in the future. But at the moment, what you get back by only having to um, uh, uh, only having to do high quality of the bit you're looking at is mostly counterbalanced by the fact that you have to put more effort into working out what it is you're looking at and adjusting to that in the first place. So it sounds like he's talking about retrofitting it onto the Quest 2 then is, is more not, not computationally quite more, intensive. Um, no, no, no. His, his pitch is that what the Quest 2 did was fixed. So he didn't track your eyes around and dynamically adjust the the resolution of the bit you're looking at. So if, yeah, <laughs> so if you are doing fixed foveated rendering, that basically means that it's, it's just the, it's the middle of the screen uh, is, uh, yes. is high quality. And if you, you, if you turn your eyes within your head, you will notice the fact that it's low quality on the outsides of the screen. Um, the whole point on dynamic foveated rendering is you will never notice it because your eyes don't have high resolution on the on your peripheral. It's vision. like your peripheral vision, exactly. It is, yeah, it is, yeah. You yes. also don't see color in your peripheral vision, which is a whole other yeah. story. You um, don't, it's weird, but, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And you could, and the optical nerve, there's a whole bunch of interesting things about you could cut out the optical nerve blind spot, which, um, um, yeah. which people are completely unaware of and, and you know saccades and ha- unaware of the fact that you're saccades are brilliant there's this whole bunch of really interesting um it, it, visual it, optical it, into, it, it starts to get into like perception and do we perceive reality as it actually is or do we update a mental model of, of reality it, 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 just it becomes, before you guys go on down this optic love fest, a, a, um, a, 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 a what is saccade kind of like late night um dope yeah. smoking at college sort of conversation about what is reality man are we seeing it or what <laughs> well what is you mentioned something called saccade uh, i don't know what that is our okay. listeners might so know what is that saccade so a saccade is your eyes are basically constantly moving they're constantly darting back and forth um okay. that is unless unless you are following something that's moving the only time your eyes move smoothly is when you're following when you're looking at something that's moving through space um, normal in normal operation, if you're looking at a field or a, a static field, your eyes are constantly darting around, and it's updating your visual field. Uh, as to the, right, this is why you're not aware of the fact that you have low resolution and no color vision in your peripheral vision, because your eyes okay. are constantly moving around, and it's updating your mental model of what's going on in the world. 
Got but it. The, but okay. the beauty of this is that you can't tell. Because if you look at yourself in a mirror and try to spot your eyes moving, you can't. First of all, because obviously when your eyes move, you're not looking at the mirror. But secondly, because your brain fills in all the bits in between, so you don't know it's doing it. It's essentially like, imagine you were trying to draw a picture on a wall with a laser beam. So it only points one point on the wall, right? But if you move the beam fast enough, it looks like a continuous thing. Right. Because it's moving that fast. Like, um, uh, if you see lights in, uh, in a club or something, quite often they're not actually moving a light. They've got a tiny little mirror, which moves around at ridiculous speeds and reflects a light all over the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, got some, it. interesting. This is not how saccades work, but it's, uh, it's all akin to that inside my head. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of really interesting optical science, which we're not going to talk about, but it is really interesting and you should read up on it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so 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 the foveated rendering might not make much of a difference because they certainly not relative to the fixed foveated rendering. What might make a difference is that you can't tell that it's it's foveated. Uh, yeah, that right. might be a difference. Um, and it's possible so, that future iterations of the tech now they've taken the jump to we've taken the computational hit by doing eye tracking and then um, refocusing and re-improving just that bit of the image. Once you've taken that hit and taken a step back because of it, from now on, that's your new baseline. Yeah, so any exactly. computational yep, improvements yep. you get yeah, from now on, start, get, get dynamic rendering for free. If you start, yeah, if you start then increasing the screen resolution to the point where it's human eye um, uh, equivalent, then you know you might, it might enable that to get there. And there are headsets out there that have human eye resolution um, uh, screens. The the Vario, which is a, a Finnish headset company, have have a screen, and it really I've tried it. It's really quite amazing. Uh, but they're only able to do it in the center of the screen, and they didn't have dynamic foveated red. So if you have that, this is, I didn't know about this. If you have that human eye resolution, whatever that is, um, does that mean that does it just look more real? Like is is that the kind of the impact of it? You can't you can't see the pixels. Basically, that 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 that's the the um you you and improving the screen resolution won't improve um the quality of the image. You just won't. Notice. So so it just literally looks like you're looking out at a vista. Essentially, it just looks completely clear, right? It it doesn't so it doesn't look pixelated in any way, right? So like like, like getting a better screen resolution on your phone, yeah, right. There's a point at which. It doesn't improve your quality, the quality of your experience because you can't tell the difference. And it is the, yeah, same, yeah. It's the same technology. It's just the only difference is you're holding the screen an inch away from your eyes. An inch from your eyes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so if you did that with your phone screen, you'd be able to, you'd be able to do that. So anyway, so the, the eye tracking is interesting because partly because of that, then partly then I think because it allows you to have some um, more authentic facial uh facial expressive and facial body language experience so, so what we do right now is we have a uh, we pick up the microphone signal from the uh from the headsets and we have an ai powered um facial animation rigging which may changes the shape of your mouth so that it makes the shape of the words you're making but then also picks up your intonation so if i if i started thinking my eyebrows will be moving uh we also have an algorithm that knows who you're who you're looking at and so we'll make eye contact with the person you're talking to uh, but in a, but then also break away. So you're, so you're bottom more natural. If you constantly stare someone in the eyes, it's creepy. Uh, so there's a blinking <laughs> algorithm and a looking away algorithm. So you know, no one's going to win an Oscar right now for you know the fidelity of their facial rigging. But it is a sea change from having a blank face. So just having a face that moves at all makes a big difference. And then the amount. So you've experienced of, uh, this, right? You've experienced facial tracking in VR. Um, I have not in a fully. Uh, integrated, so yeah, they're not the first people to do facial tracking. That's what I thought. Have, yeah, um, yeah. eye tracking and face tracking, and then been a whole bunch of add-ons. Right, so, I mean, back in 2016, when I first got into this, you could get a Toby eye tracking uh, upgrade for the Vive um, uh, for the Vive headset. You could get a plug-in. No one ever bought it, and so that actually kind of leads on to why I'm. Well, I mean, the, the comfort issue with the headset might be important. I'm less excited about the mixed reality stuff because I'm not entirely sh- sure what people are going to use it for. Um, my right. main concern with this headset is the the price, um, and and that the price is such that even for even for enterprises, so the you know the people I work with are not buying one or two headsets, right? They're buying thirty of them, a hundred of them, a thousand of them, um, and you start getting into those kind of volumes, a, a you know four x difference in price starts making a really big difference. Yeah, um, 
and, and I, I'm worried that the, the, the cost of it might be to the point where there aren't enough out in the field so that people aren't actually developing technologies, developing software that is going to take advantage of the hardware that's out there. So you end up with in the same situation with all of the current uh, devices that are out there with eye tracking. Um, that there just isn't, there isn't good software that uses yeah. those features. Therefore, there's no point buying it, and you end up with a, a Catch-22 um, situation where, you know, uh, there you just don't get the adoption, that, right? That was, what, that was what was great about the Quest when it was 300 bucks. It was, you know, it was, it was cheap enough that you could buy it without it being a huge investment. You could, try it, you could buy it, try it, see if you liked it, and so there are a lot out there. Um, and for yeah. companies, it's the same way. You know, I can, we can justify, if you can save one transatlantic business meeting with 20 people, that cost covers all of your costs for the headsets, for the, um, for the software, and then from that point onwards, everything else is gravy. Yeah. yeah. Matt, so yeah, not, not, not 1,500 quid a pop. <laughs> no, but if yeah. 300 quid. But, but with the, pop. yeah, so the, the 300, and to be honest with you, um, I'm not that worried about the price at the moment. I mean, obviously the price is ridiculous and no one's going to buy them at this much money. Yes, but they will. The Lots of people will buy them, sure. but not as many people will buy them. Not, too, yeah, it, not, not enough people that it's actually useful, but the assumption yep. is that this is basically a pre-release thing and the price should in theory come down in the future. The idea that something yeah, is too it- expensive right now, you go, okay, either no <laughs> one buys it, the price never comes down, and your industry goes away if that's what's required, or the price will come down over time. And what's so, crazy is they're almost certainly. This is not even for not buying it now. It's not right. Yeah, and they, and they, they, they say they're not doing them at a loss, but they, we'll get on to that because it's a whole well, they're, software they're, question. Origi- originally, they were they were hundred percent were with yeah. the request when it was when it was three hundred bucks and it was uh, earlier on. They were definitely selling them at a loss. Um, no question about it. Now they increased the price. And they've been building them for a while, so it's possible that they're not currently not selling them. Well, what, what they said on the, what they've said on the new devices is that they will. This is a like this is an everything in one package device, and they will be releasing subsequent headsets quite soon that are a lower cost and have some of this technology. Well, yeah, that, that was yeah. interesting oh. from Carmack's talk because when John Carmack was um, speaking and his talk wasn't cleared with them before or whatever, and historically when he's done this kind of thing, he tends to not necessarily give out the stuff that the PR team might like him to. And one of the things he said was that he thought that um, the the assumption with a lot of the price points was that you'd be buying this, but then you'd also buy a bunch of software um, for which uh, – Facebook Meta are currently claiming up to about fifty percent of all the money you're spending on software in the in the store. But if you get the headset and then just use the free social apps and don't buy any of the software, it's much like games consoles were, where they essentially do the console as a loss leader, with the assumption that you'll then go and buy fifteen games, all of which are eighty dollars, and they'll get twenty dollars out of each of those purchases, and that subsidizes the purchase of the console in the first place. Um but with, but with but with the headsets, Carmack's point, and he's he's walked it back a little bit because of essentially in-app payments. You know, the serpent has come to paradise once again. But yeah. uh, but uh, and so even given the fact that he walked it back, one of the things he was saying was exactly that: that um, if if Meta are expecting software purchases to subsidize the price of the headset and the kit in the first place, maybe that works for the enterprise model because then the assumption yeah. is you'll be buying subscriptions to this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, they had Accenture on stage and all this kind of thing, but real people aren't. Well, so I know but we've we'll, only got Adam but, for another, another 15 minutes. Uh, or okay. So. Right. <laughs> we, one thing, we've I, one thing I'd like to point two on the list. I know. <laughs> Well, one thing I'd like to zone in on a little bit was something you just said, Adam, which is you were less convinced about mixed reality. One of the things I – and I'd love, like to get your both of your thoughts on this. Uh, so for those people who are unfamiliar with what mixed reality is, like I mentioned earlier on, it's basically where you see your actual room or your office or whatever, and then 3D items are overlaid on it, right? It's what um, – AR looks very similar on your phone, right? Um, I personally think this is going to be where all of this is going to go. Um, I'm less convinced about VR because I think people just for, especially in a work setting, I think people 
feel weird having their actual, you know, your little spidey brain is always going to be knowing that your your vision's blocked off and it's unsettling. And I think a lot of people will feel a lot more comfortable spending longer periods of time beyond the two-hour battery life um, in mixed reality. But what do you guys think? Adam, what what, what makes you less convinced about it? The, the, so there's, le- there's, um, um, there's a couple of different definitions of mixed reality. There is the head-mounted augmented reality where you are genuinely seeing the world um, and then there is a transparent screen which is overlaying the, yeah. um, uh, yeah. the world. And that, so that's like the Microsoft HoloLens, the Magic Leap, basically everything that's, that's pretty much everything that's been released so far. Those look fantastic in demo videos. They're like, yeah, this is great. This is like the, uh, you know, the holographic uh, characters in the movies where you're like, someone appears in front of me. It's like the Star Wars hologram or the... Uh, was that yep. Kingsman movie where suddenly everyone's yeah. around the desk? Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh yeah, that's what I want. The reality is, is it is a grainy little screen, it like covering about ten percent of the, your field of view, uh, which you, if you angle your head correct, you can just about make something out. About the actual reality is not the same. It doesn't look like the demo videos at all. I but, so uh, before you go on there, yes, I absolutely agree. That's what it is at the moment. First of all, I suspect we might be talking about it a bit differently when Apple comes out with whatever the hell they're coming out with. But more importantly, that to me seems like a technology limitation, much like a lot of the other stuff. Um, when you were talking earlier about what we want to be able to do is hand things to one another and turn your attention and um, see the facial expressions and understand what's going on. There's quite a lot of equivocation between what we can actually do now and what the world looks like once all this stuff works. And the AR thing... I think it's reasonable to have the discussion in the same way that the limitation with AR is not that at the moment the implementation is bobbins. It's the, um, do we want the thing at all? Imagine that it worked okay. Imagine that it worked as well as VR does now or as well as the demo videos do. Would it then be okay or is it still problematic? I was going to kind of get to that because what's I think what's interesting about um, uh, Meta's approach to mixed reality is it's the second type of mixed reality, which is where you get a video feed. It, the, the headset records what's going on in the world as a video feed, um, puts that through, and then overlays um, uh, a, a virtual objects yes. onto the video feed, not through a transparent screen. So that for me, that's going to be a lot more. That has a lot more potential. Uh, yeah. to actually work. And, and even, I agree. And there's even a mixed reality where you are bringing in real objects into an entirely virtual world. So like a coffee cup or a pen or a keyboard or a person, you know, and, and you, are, um, you are kind of bringing that into something that is rendered um, as, a, as a three-dimensional object. So the, the, reason I'm, I, the reason why I'm... Well, I'm not skeptical. I think mixed reality has a lot of potential. I'm less excited about that right now because it doesn't give you the same sense of presence and immersion. Either, either the sense of presence of being a, in a place and actually feeling like you're somewhere else or that you're what we call co-presence or social presence, that you feel like you're there and there are other people there too. Zoning in on that, like, are you saying that if, let's say, the three of us were in a mixed reality room uh, environment and I was sat here and you two were sat at the front of my desk and we had all of the eye tracking and facial expressions turned on and all that kind of stuff. Are you saying that you feel like that sense of presence wouldn't be as good as if we were sat in work. a virtual room? That that can't work. Well, th- think right. about uh, just uh, just on a practical level. Think about it. Right? Sure. So, if your idea is that the other two in this conversation are projected into the world of each of us, so Adam yep. and I are sitting in front of your desk talking to you. Right. In that situation, you and Adam will be sitting behind my monitor on the other side of the wall of my flat. Right? <laughs> yeah, of course. How it's going to be, be a different for each of us. Well, but the point is that I, I think it's not possible, not for technical limitations, but for practical ones. You can't have someone projected into a place they're not in, but feel real there. Well, that's my question. My, that's well, my question. If is, you do construct you both... a wholly unrealistic world that everybody is in, right? Then you can make because everyone's in the same world. You and I are not in the same place, and therefore, 
the, the you know the lighting's going to be wrong and where you're sitting is going to be wrong and unrealistic and but that's what that's 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 what's yeah. that's my question is like do we think that's even feasible because i never really thought about your point adam which is if you're in the if you're in the virtual world everyone's everyone's experiencing the same world from a different angle right based upon where you're sat whereas it doesn't really matter like if i'm having an if i'm chatting to you two on a podcast it doesn't really matter how you see me to me it matters how i see you to you but the question is whether you can develop presence with a avatar sat in the real world or whether your brain's always gonna be saying that's not fucking real (laughs) you know but no i think you no, you can i mean and i i i run an experiment when i'm doing demos with people uh which is pretty unpleasant for everyone but i basically steer my avatar too close to them i invade their personal space in virtual reality all right and with like 99% confidence, people find that a very, very unpleasant experience. And that might yeah. be my personality. Um, but I did, we, you've, you've tried out Blue, right? Jono, did I insert yeah, myself yeah. on you then? Oh, you did. Okay. You did that. Um, and it was, and it was as, unpleasant, as unpleasant as just basically hanging out in the same room as you were on a normal basis. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, you're welcome. Um, so, so for me, that, like, that's a pretty good indication of, of you know, getting that sense. And I think, but I think, Stuart, you're on, on to exactly the right point. It, say, so say we're all sat around in an AR and a mixed reality experience. Um, um, you would have to be static. You would have to, you'd have to stay in the same place. If you got up and walked to, you know, to your desk to pick something up, chances yeah. are in someone else's room, you're going to be walking through their wall. I'd walk through a table. Yeah, exactly. Walk through a table. Uh, it would break that whole illusion of being. There. Yeah, you, um, you you couldn't collaborate in that way. You couldn't yeah. interact in a physical way with the other avatars. It would only work if you are based. Because yeah, yeah you for you, act, unless you, you, not unless you've built a specific room which you then clone in multiple different places, which would be. But cool, at, at that, at but that point, so that's to do. that's that's not that's the tail not only wagging the dog but four other dogs. At that point, you say, you say instead of building a virtual world, we'll design what a work virtual world should look like. Then make you build it out of bricks and sit in it. Yes, what the hell no, is exactly. the point it's of ridiculous. that? Absolutely. But, but then again, yeah, yeah. I can I can see use case of if you're a company and you've got multiple offices all over the place, you've got meeting rooms. I can absolutely see that you model your meeting rooms in this mixed reality world so you go to an office and you're sat there in a meeting room with two of your other colleagues and the other people are sat in a similar kind of meeting room if your meeting rooms are broadly you know rectangles with a table right, in the middle. But now you're on the oracle um um the oracle meeting was the, the huge screen that's the whole yeah yeah, big screen, yeah, yeah. Big screen, i mean yeah. to be clear i think that's stupid but i, I can see how that and, could potentially and, and, and one that's hugely expensive to do secondly you it's fixed you know you can't if you're like okay you know what actually let's take this meeting outside let's go for a walk let, let, let's take it to a cafe in the virtual world, you can, with a click of a button, you can be in an entirely different environment with a different feel and a different kind of ambiance to it. You can make it go yeah. like, okay, now we're formal, we're staying on point, we've got you know whiteboards all over the place. Let's just take a sidebar and 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 go to a coffee shop, just because. And it really doesn't matter, you know. I've I've seen firsthand that the environment you're in changes the way people behave. It does, yeah, uh, and how they interact with each other. Um, and so you can and you can do that instantly in virtual reality. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump f- off in like the next three or four minutes. So the yeah. flip, the flip side of all of yeah. this, then, since um, we'll probably talk a bit more about the sort of larger philosophical aspects of it for a little bit. But the flip side of all of this is what we're describing here about why mixed reality is maybe better than augmented reality, and so on. Is uh, assuming I buy your point, important if what you want to do is model people having meetings. And I get, you know, Adam, that's largely what um, the, the sort of stuff you're on. But there's a completely different sense where what you want to do is augment, haha, things that are in the real world. What I want is when I walk past a shop, I can see what I bought from there last time or which of my friends have shopped there recently and so on. And that sort of thing is utterly useless. I do not want you to model literally everything I look at by taking pictures of it and then recreating it in bloody unity um, rather than just show me it and then put a little thing over the top of it. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, I think that there is, there is, there's a place for. I mean, I always go back to the Minority Report, um, and yeah. not not the screens where they're holding their hands up and moving stuff around with their hands, yeah. which is a just horrible user interface. Um, it is, <laughs> but walking walking past the shops and being blasted with individualized uh, adverts, and I don't think anyone yeah. wants that. But no. frankly, we, we always end up with stuff we don't want. 
Uh, yeah, yeah advertisers but want it. I, d- I do want to, to speak the example you had earlier, you're talking about, you know, handing around an object in a room, but I'd be perfectly happy if I were seeing that object here on my desk in front of me and Jono would sit on his desk in front of him. I don't necessarily yeah. think that we need to be in a shared space to make that happen. You do, you do, well, so I'm a mechanical engineer by, by training. Um, in, in the world where you are looking at a complex physical object and, and pointing out points of it, being able to oh, okay, yeah, yeah, object yeah. that you're, yes. that you're, you're no, that's fair. If you're gesturing it away, yes. here, um, uh, and be able to, but we, I, I, we, I, I, really important. I suspect all of these things will shake out. Look, I know we got to let you go, Adam. Thank yes. you for coming on. Um, it's welcome. actually nice it's to fun. have people who, who know th- about this because normally we're just three idiots who just guess. Um, <laughs> so, well, I mean, I guess the bottom line is no one knows about this. The, the metaverse doesn't exist yet. Uh, other than in the, the the mind, the imagination of a bunch of science fiction writers, um, and anyone speculating about what it right, is yes. and what they will be is making it up. So all we can do is kind of look at what people are doing right now and actually using it, and start to maybe do some extrapolations from there. A lot of that we there's yep. so many other areas we could dive into on the metaverse. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Adam, for joining. We appreciate it. Go to our community. Let us know what you think. We didn't. We got through point number one. We didn't yes. even get through <laughs> we, the we, avatars and all the other stuff. I want um, to. I want to talk about um, privacy aspects of it and yeah. The, well, maybe the, we can talk about that in the next show with Jeremy. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll continue. You know, so, we, um, I tell you, um, getting Jeremy back will be a magnificent moment where we say to him, "Hey, Jeremy, guess what you could do? You can now look at the ninety CGI version of yourself and share Microsoft Teams with your teammates. <laughs> Hooray! Who wants that? Literally, no as if one people wants didn't, this. As if people didn't hate Teams enough. Well, I know. It's like who wants Teams to be But you know yes, what, Adam, you could you could host uh, you could host an episode of uh, this in Glue. Uh, if you wanted to, we could get that should be fun. Record record a video avatar version base uh, of Glue. We, I do a lot of that. Sounds fun. We should talk about that. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun, actually. Wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, people in the community, let us know what um, whether we should do that and um, say thank you very much to Adam. If people want to get hold of you, Adam, very briefly before you go, how should they do that? Or is the answer they shouldn't get hold of you and they should leave you alone? <laughs> He <laughs> should leave me alone. If you come near the house, yeah. I'll set the dogs um, on you. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Lorimer. Uh, look, there aren't that many Adam Lorimers in the world, so look me up on uh, LinkedIn um, and send me a message. I usually accept people on that. Um, if it's if you want to know about Glue, go to our website, glue.work. Um, and um, yeah, you'll get through to you'll be able to contact me through that way as well. Cool. Wicked. All right. Peace Bye. out, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye.